My name is Jack Oatway. And I am Jay Oatway. Welcome to another edition of Like Dragon Like Sun. Your favorite podcast. The full fa- stop. The Father Son podcast that talks about all things. D-N-D. That's right. Dungeons and Dragons. And Have you ever uh, heard of it? Yeah, we're we're big, big fans and uh super excited, you know, whenever some new uh some new legends and lore hit the old uh dungeon dragon interwebs people are talking people mm-hmm. are talking right now about stuff that's coming and it starts with the bell of lost souls always yeah somehow. they leaked it you they know, leaked it yesterday and then today we got things. like uh all the official websites were like hey guess what there's a new adventure book coming and out and everyone's like we're already over it yeah no I, I think if you're listening to this you you may not know that there's a new adventure book coming uh, called the Candlekeep Mysteries. What even is an adventure book? It's a book full of adventures. Uh, clearly, now some of them, like um, Ghosts of Saltmarsh, uh, or Icewind Dale, even, are designed to be like bigger campaign type settings. Although Icewind well, I think Dale... Ghosts of Saltmarsh is more of a like an episodic thing, kind of like the new mm. stuff that's coming out. It's like just small bite size. Well, they tried to do that with Icewind Dale as well, but you're right. Okay, maybe they have bad examples. Um, well, I think they are good examples for what we're talking about today. Yeah, well, the Candlekeep Mysteries in particular, though, are oh, you've supposed... you've dropped it. I just did a minute ago as well. Oh, Candlekeep Mysteries. It's the Candlekeep Mysteries, everyone. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we've said it three times now. Candlekeep Mysteries. Four times now. Right. The uh, the book written by multiple authors, every uh, story is written by somebody different. Uh, all of them are like DM's Guild or like pretty heavy hitters in, you know, the adventure writing world. Uh, Chris Perkins even has one in the book. And uh, they're one shots. Ooh. Yeah. But but so we had to stop a little bit because although, you know, kind of had an idea that Candlekeep was it's like a, a big thing, library. Right? If thing. you're a li- even a little bit aware of, of the Forgotten Realms lore, yeah, yeah. I think it is, then you probably know if that you played a some Baldur's of, Gate or something like that. Yeah. Maybe it's come up. And there's I was something called Candlekeep. Yeah. You know, and, and I even I've heard of it in my adventures. And I was sort of a bit like we were a bit like, okay, what do we know about Candlekeep? Well, mm-hmm. obviously far too little. So we went and we did, went and did a little homework. We did a little bit of our own homework went and, and research. And went we're and did ready. a little, little digging for you. We did some, some you know, high, so, so high first, grade hacking. First, where is Candlekeep? <sighs> on some hill somewhere near the Swords Coast. It's on the Swords Coast. You're right about that. Right about that. It's just south of Baldur's Gate. Oh, if you're familiar, it's that. Oh, I don't want to give too many spoilers, but which is a fair way down the land, which is right? yeah, hell world. Descent into Avernus, uh, Baldur's Gate is sinking. Descent into um, hell, baby. But anyways, the it's on the coast, and it's fairly, relatively far south down the Sword Coast, mm. um, like kind of the opposite end of the map from where Icewind Dale and a lot of our sort of D&D storytelling adventures. has been kind of going this, this winter. It's for springtime. They're kind of heading, heading South, uh, for spring break. And, uh, the theme around the, the adventures apparently is they all, they all stem from, uh, a book somehow, like different books that do different things. I don't know the exact details of it all yet. Sounds interesting. Um, anyway, so 
Candle Keep, you find it on the coast. It's got its own little like peninsula, your own, its own little road uh, that you come up to it. And um, and then you get to the front gates of it, and there are these like guys, five guys in purple robes. One of them there to talk to you, other four to keep a close eye at you and your party aren't up to no good. And, uh, you know, people come for a lot of reasons, you know, search for knowledge, cure for disease, you know, usual is stuff. It, what is it then? Well, it's a big library. It has all the information ever. But so to get it, in, to get in, oh. here's the key. To get in past the guys with the purple robes, you have to present them with some sort of text, some sort of written document. Uh, it could be a family recipe book or it could be the Necronomicon. It could be, I don't, this is a great idea, it could be the Tome of Strahd. It could be any book that you t- you picked up along the way that they don't yet have. Or it could even be a better copy than they currently have. Okay. Could I theoretically just scribble on a piece of paper and give it to them? Now, these are some of the most knowledgeable sages in the lands. So, yeah, what's your what's your forgery skills like? <laughs> right. Get the forgery kit. You know, you're pretty good at bluffing. Maybe like if you could can, I give up a, a seventh like, level spell score. I'm I'm saying I'm saying DC twenty five. Jeez, that's pretty high DC for anyone who's not familiar. I mean, you think twenty is hard? Very hard is twenty five. Yeah, I think you, you you're gonna need that at least to get past these guys. Wow. Uh, if you're if you're gonna think but it's about not a poetry, it is new information. No. Could it be like, an, could I read an audio auto, or an autobiography? Well, if it has information in it that they see as as important, as valuable in some way. So some randos, family cookbook's look, important and my well, history look, isn't? If, you, if your journal has a lot of entries of your adventures and up to this point you have seen some crazy stuff and returned to tell about it, then then perhaps, yes, your book would be of, of some value to them. And it would get you through the gates. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You can definitely come up with creative sort of ways. Uh, That's even got me thinking of a spell idea. Duplicate item. You know, you've got your, your big wizard spell book, whatever, that you want to keep. Quickly sh- make a copy, you know, yeah. and give it to them. Like I said, I think they're going to have a copy of every 7th level spell already. Really? And probably a bunch you don't have. What if I'm using Matt Mercer's rules and I've got Dunamancy? All right, so you've somehow <laughs> come from that realm into this one. and with the blue veil, baby. And br- you've brought that spell with you. Yeah, I'd, I'd count that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, that'll get you in. Um, So that's, I suppose that's kind of one of the, the bigger sort of... Uh, tricks to to or questions i've got with this new uh book that's coming out if uh if you've got to have a text to get into candlekeep and all these adventures start within candlekeep what exactly was it that your character had that allowed them to get in that might be actually a fun thing to give like characters to to figure out as a backstory what did they have to give to get in here it was my grandmother's recipe book ticket like you know and then once you you're leave, allowed you need to, to bring stay, something else. You're allowed else, to or? stay for like a number of weeks, and then you can't come back for like another month. Right. So it's sort of like, um, uh, you know, like you'll go to like some like nuclear reactor site as a scientist for like a couple months, and then you're done. You know, you've got the 
enough whatever. radiation the, the that collision, you can come back. Whatever. No, but you've got like don't like people have like you get the collision beam for oh you like a couple weeks you're sharing you sharing like scientific resources. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like that. It's a pretty big library though. So, like, how big are we talking here? Like, like bigger than Rexington. Rexingtrum. Uh, let's archive. give people a real city. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, I don't know. I'm thinking, uh, you know, this would be this would be a big big city library, for sure. Right. So how do I just like? Could people just break in? And and because it's a fantasy library, I'd be kind of like. Or is it magically guarded somehow? Yeah, there is definitely a a whole bunch of like devoted, avowed. Uh, candle keep keepers right uh who protect the place but yeah also with a place like this i mean what fun would it be were there not secret entrances to the library i mean there's gotta be right, right? that'd be so much it's, it's like it would just be no fun if there wasn't um but again that information might come at a cost um of some sort um so yeah you know there's i think there's lots of I think there's lots of fun adventure ideas already. Yeah. As soon as you I bring, mean, as soon as you roll, like as soon as you library. roll Candlekeep, like out as a, or any library for that matter. I think the thing about the book that's coming out as well, all it takes for you as a DM to launch those one shots, which could be side missions or whatever, is simply having a book or a library space in your game, mm. and. I mean, lots of different worlds have big libraries, right? If you're playing in Eberron, you know, there's Morgrave University in Sharn. You know, it would have a big library. You could have, you know, this these books and stuff's adventures start from there. So you could make them into Eberron. Whereas I just mentioned, you could be, uh, you could be in Wildmount and you could be saying, you know, that this is a, yeah, this, you have to go to the, main archive in Rexingtrum or something, mm. you know, or, the Cobalt Soul yeah. Uh, archive. Yeah, um, on that line, I was even thinking of uh, some of the stuff that Tasha's has to offer. Um, I know they've got, like, you know, new group patrons, right? And one of them is the Academy, right? right. I think, you know, it, it, here's some, like, options it gives. Your typical maybe boarding school, enclave, monastery, or elite institute... Uh, Vault of Secrets. That sounds kind of candlekeepy to me. Yeah. And or Museum of Dreams. Ooh, that's a fun one. Um, but it's those are could be like you could be hired by Candlekeep, you know, or you could be people studying under Cand- Candlekeep are allowed in there, um, and they're like sending you out for research quests, you know, or things like that to bring information back that they need to have. Um, and so some of the perks that's that's even like in its description, right? Uh, the world's mysteries are innumerable, uh, but you're Pursue them with vigor. As operatives for an academy, you seek to unravel the secrets of existence and deeper riddles beyond. Uh, in your work, you brush shoulders with the wisest in the land. That could be fun for a candlekeep. I mean, I'm sure there's people there. It's like a ghost town or anything. No, it's like full of like people. The avowed, they all like live there. I don't know. They kind of, kind of sound spooky. The avowed. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's. Are they just like chill, regular people, so, you or know, are they like, like, like no, it's like monks and you know, and they just don't talk to people, mages you know. and sages and. It feels kind of culty to me. I'm not gonna lie. Clericy types, um, and probably some paladins. You know, I'd say those all. There's definitely enough there to kick your butt. Mm. If you work, perhaps for Candlekeep and its research, or some other academy. 
uh, you can gain some of the following perks. Compensation. They will pay you one GP every day or keep up with your modern lifestyle. I sort of was thinking like Paladin, like which oath would you be if you were protecting the library? Mm. Is it like Oath of the Crown, but kind of twisted oh, a little bit? Well, you could do that. Or it could be a like a instead devotion. Of, instead of like, yeah. Um, you know, you're devoted to the cause. Mm. You know what? Here, that's a good question. Why don't you read us some of the perks you get from, or, or some of the stuff from being the Academy Group patron while I look that up? Yeah, so, all right. So imagine you were working for the Avowed. Um so you get some lifestyle stuff. Maybe they define cool, like, you know, things hidden in their research that would be like, uh, and it says, oh, actually research is part of your group's job, but your patron has also abundant resources to facilitate such efforts. You call in a favor to the delegate. You call in a favor to delegate the work of researching lore to a colleague, contact librarian, a research assistant. Uh, you're responsible for covering expenses incurred as incurred as part of this research. Um, but also I think it's a great way to, f for, as a DM to work in the, you know, to work in sort of missions and plot points and sending your adventurers off on adventures is to, you know, have the, have somebody say, we found in our research that, you know, we believe there to be a rare artifact buried in such and such location. And we want to send you guys to, to go check it out or whatever. And. You do stuff like that. Um, patrons also provide resources, uh, you know, which could be, you know, special spells or protective things. Um, and you could get training. There's like the idea of doing downtime in a library or something like Candlekeep where, you know, special training uh, could become a thing. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, they've got some interesting different types of contacts, academy contacts. Whether your person in the in the candle keep is just somebody, some low harried functionary, or maybe perhaps some, you know, wizened fix, fixture. Uh, yeah, it, it's. I think it's a great idea of tying in uh, group patrons to uh, to candle keep. I think Candle Keep's like, yeah, Candle Keep's like on my radar now, and I'm definitely going to be dreaming up all sorts of ways to weave together our stories and stuff in there. Have you picked a, a paladin for us yet? Whew, there's some good ones out there. I feel like Oathbreaker's a little too necromantic to I don't me, think you'd although... be an Oathbreaker in, in a library. Although, Maybe. the thing about the, the interesting thing about Candle Keep is that it's neutral ground. Uh -huh. And so while it does not pass judgment on the outside world or participate in political affairs, um, the Citadel of Learning and its avowed care not for the rise and fall of kingdoms, shifting governments, or claims to the throne. They are only concerned with the collection, absorption, and maintenance of lore. Uh, so, so yeah, like, they're... Uh, they're not, like... They're not going to, like, look down their nose at you if you pull out, you know a book of, about, you know, necromancy. In fact, nobody should look down their nose at necromancy. You should be looking down your nose and the people pulling out books on enchantment. Yeah, those are the real psychos. Those are the real psychos. They're the Iagos of these worlds. Yeah, they're, they're the, the manipulative level. jerks. Um, yeah. People into necromancy, yeah, that, that's just, that's just that's cool. Yeah. There's no worries about that. Oath of the Watchers is like, if you want to know a little bit about the extra planar stuff, that could be a fun way to go with it. 
eventually you get things like true sight, you know, and you're good with saves. I don't think that really says much about your dedication to the key. Knowledge, I suppose. Um, open sea is kind of like more freedom. Um, yeah. And oceany crown, you know, if you change crown to keep, like okay. oath, oath, oath of, of the, the keep, candle keep, right? And you basically you're dedicated to. I was thinking potentially oath of the ancients, but that's a little bit naturey. Mm. Um, maybe. I don't know. It has similar turning things, and but it means but you, you'd, like you'd have to resistance to damage from spells and things like that. That that there would be paladins with this sort of uh, calling who have found themselves as protectors of this place. Mm. And so, if I was running, you know, a candlekeep, and people were like, "Okay, we're gonna attack it," I'd be like, "You're met by, you know, clerics, monks, and paladins, and they're." They're serious about protecting this place. Yeah. Well, we we bought a supplement. I wonder if there is a Paladin subclass in that supplement. Yeah. For folks out there wanting to know more, I would very much steer them onto DM's Guild to Elmister's Candlekeep Companion. Beautiful, beautiful supplement uh, put together with uh, with contributions even from Ed Greenwood. The, uh, who's, who's that? Original author of... Uh, <gasps> of forgotten realms uh, materials um and yeah well researched uh everything in here has been pulled together from D&D books and articles provided um you know from all the big names people like you know Jeremy Crawford uh, Dan Dillon uh, loads of big names in here yeah. there's actually a huge list of names honestly I'm not going to list them all but uh Worth checking out. The um, lead designers on this are Justice Armin and Anthony Joyce, who are both excellent, excellent uh, adventure writers. Uh, Has some stuff on Candlekeep and some subclasses. It does. Uh, So character options, it doesn't. It has a bard, a cleric, a monk, and a wizard. Oh, what's the monk? Monk is Way of the Avowed Preserver. I've always wanted to make something like that. And the wizard? Uh... Wizard of Academic Lore. Wow, I've also wanted a wizard like that for a long time. So yeah, there's some interesting subclasses in here. If you're using D&D Beyond, you will have to go in and make these as homebrew subclasses. Unless somebody has. Um, And uh, Mm. yeah. it's kind of cool. They've got some interesting adventures in here as well. They've got one that's called Baldur's Gate Descent into Avernus Director's Cut. Director's cut. I don't know what that is. I haven't read it yet, but it looks, uh, uh-huh. the title has got me intrigued. Um, so yeah, so like we said, we've, we've only had a short while here to sort of think about Candlekeep and, uh, already I'm, I'm pretty stoked about. How do you spell avowed? Uh, A-V-O-W-E-D. Thank you. No, I don't think anyone's made anything like that. Huh? So yeah, there's a chance, uh. For those of you out there to try out some new uh, some new ideas, very cool. Hmm. Yeah, I definitely like that. Is there any takeaways you had from that uh, from that supplement? Like big things that stood out to you? I mean, we we recently sort of got it, so. Um. I mean, they've got lovely maps is one thing I noticed, right? Yeah, maps do you wonders uh, for, for the whole thing. Although I'm sure there will be some with the new release. Uh, it's Look, the, the stuff that I got through is a lot of it is just the history. Um, and 
and I'm always like, I'm always a little like so-so about history of, of things with dates and stuff. As much as like, I think it's interesting, you know, how there's actually this like canon timeline of events uh, in favor and that sort of have happened. For most people's campaigns and for most players, those sort of dates and numbers are pretty meaningless. So there's little point in bombarding your players with that. Though it is cool that it is in here. So in case you are one of those like uber geeks who likes to know when everything was built. Um, suffice to say, Candlekeep's first towers are wicked old. They have been around for some time. Um, it was founded by two divinely inspired human clerics in the year of the Stone Rising. That's minus 200 DR. Some scholars incorrectly attribute Aluando as the founder of the Sword Coast's library fortress, but the famous seer arrived nearly 300 years after the first stone was laid. Wow. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see when uh, this set of adventures comes out, how much of this other history and things are sort of brought into it. I also have yet to go and have a look at the all the exact author names and do kind of a crisscross check on the how many of them are in this um, worked also on this companion. I I hope there is some crossover. Um, yeah, I'm I'm actually really really keen to try and do something in a library now. Kind of cool. Yeah. I've uh, in my Curse of Strahd game, I have been inventing a number of books that I put in the small various little library spaces that the players come across. And coming up with books like that, they, all the books are like connected to plot points and story stuff that the the players may or may not have found out on their own anyways if they didn't go exploring. So sometimes by having books and stuff there, I can kind of, in a fun way, sort of lore drop on them uh, some more of the story to fill in the blanks. But I've also been thinking then, hey, these are like some of these cool books, if they ever escaped from Barovia, which... Is yet to be seen whether that's even possible. They could be used. They in could use that, that. Like, yeah, I'm thinking now. I'm gonna let them get out so that they can, uh, they can take that interactive tome of Strahd, um, and uh, and use it to get themselves into Candlekeep. Are those like sages magical in any way, or do they just like have a a, a memory of everything the library has? Because that's a pretty big memory. Yeah, it, it's it's curious if the guys at the gate, if you say, hey. Do you have one of these yet? And if the library is that big, whether they would know whether they have it or not. Like, so they think you think they've got like a little sorting system, you know? One pulls out a little book. Oh yeah, we've got that. Like I you know, it's you know? it's one thing if you your home library at home, somebody says, "Hey, do you have this book?" And you have a little you probably have an idea, of, yeah, like, exactly. yeah, I do or I don't. But to go to something as big as like, you know, a, a city library, and without some sort of you know index card or you know. <laughs> Dewey Decimal What's their system. sorting system? Yeah, what's going on? Do they do Dewey Decimal in Candle King? Uh, Dewey Decimals. Got a bad history, man. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of what I got this week. Uh, a little excitement over Candle King. Yeah. Not like a big rant of any sort, but more just, uh, hey. Hey. I'm excited about libraries. I might have found a unique choice that you could maybe reflavor a couple of abilities, you know. Or like re, you know, imagine how they work. But try out Oath of the Ancients, maybe, you know, as a librarian. As a librarian, you know, they've been around for a little while, like, well, for a while, you know. 
and make it less naturey and more just like time, you know? Because here's the tenets, you know? Because all the oaths, whatever, have tenets. Um, empath- empath- <laughs> emphasizes the principles of a good above any other uh, concerns of law or chaos. Um, so kindle the light, shelter the light, preserve your own light, and be the light. So you could be like, you know, this bearer of beacon of information or whatever, right? And so nature's wrath to like ensnare something could instead be like, you know, you, you ensnare it with like, I don't know, pages or something like fun like that, you know, or like word rings. I don't know. You've plenty of inspiration for things like that rather than vines. In turn, the faithless could be like fiends and fae who try to steal your secrets, you know. You're good at protecting the candle keep from that sort of stuff. You get all sorts of different spells. Um, and you eventually get resistance to spell damage at 7th level. Uh, you can, like, you no longer suffer the drawbacks of old age and can't be aged magically. And at super high levels, uh, you get super, you know, good, uh, better at spell casting as a, a paladin. Um, which is kind of interesting. So uh, Paladin walks into the library and he says, I'm here to look for the dragon. And the librarian's like, good sir, this is a library. And the Paladin's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I'm here to look for the dragon. I love that joke. It's such a good one. I like how you've adapted it for the setting, you know. Yeah, it's a great one. I I also, I, I love that we've talked about Candlekeep as a topical what's going on. But I would also like to talk a little bit about Tasha's. And since we sort of touched on group patrons a little bit, how would you feel if I took us on a journey yeah. on what group patrons yeah, are? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm up for it. I, I'm somewhat familiar with group patron ideas. Mm. Um, we have one actually in our Eberron campaign. All of us are working for a crime boss. Um, let me tell you right now, like when I think of the idea of a patron, the patrons that I kind of dream of are like, you know, like the friendly, kindly old like characters who, you know, give you stuff and look after you. But no, no, we got a patron who demands, like, it's like, I think we got to cough up like 8,000 gold a month to this guy. Jeez. Well, yeah, we are very hardcore mercenaries. So we, we tend to be able to produce it. But, um, and we're putting more like repairs into the ship and we're doing lots of stuff. But it's, it's the most money focused game we have like that I've, I've ever played because we have this monthly bill due. And for some reason we've all taken very seriously about paying the bill. It's, it's, it's to pay off our, our airship, the sky right. torch. And, um, and yeah, everything we do is for that ship. I swear we, we bust our butts and risk death, um, regularly so that we can, uh, we can pay off that thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I kind of like it. Like a lot of times in D&D, we ask ourselves, you know, what do we use our gold for? And there's a lot of games I play where there's not a lot of places to spend the money, frankly. It doesn't come up that much. Once in a while, you come across the magic items and you like cash in your gold for, you know, a new plus one shield or something. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think, yeah, what do we do with gold? It's a good question. You give it to your patron. That's what you do with it. Well, Tasha. Is your patron supposed to give it to you? I never figured this out. uh, This is the the opening paragraph, and I'll I'll read it quickly and give us a, get us in the the vibe, so get cozy. Each adventuring group is bound together by the quests it embarks on and the dangers its members face together. This chapter, chapter offers another way to bind your party together, a group of patron. These patrons provide a strong binding element, an individual or organization that unites a party as a team in service to a greater purpose. 
group patron can help set the tone of your party's entire campaign. For example, a group whose patron is an academic institution is likely to have a very different story from a group that serves a military. A patron can influence characters' relationships, their backstories, and the type of dangers they face. During character creation, every player has the opportunity to weave connections between their character and the other members of their party, rather than, or in addition to, creating a web of established relationships, players can work with the DM to choose a group patron. And, a little extra thing here, if you're interested in being your own patron, there's some rules for that as well. So, how do they work? Uh, with the input of your DM, you can customize the patrons to uh, reflect specific establishments in your campaign world, or to serve as a launchpad tailored for organizations of your design. A couple examples here could represent the Harpers of Zentarim of Forgotten Realms, uh, the Clifftop Adventurers Guild in Eberron, or perhaps a homebrew league of caravan guards, or perhaps a criminal syndicate, military force, or other category of patron better fits the party's goals. And so you can really cr get creative with how it works. This is just sort of a loose framework into getting, like, you know, what, what do they do? Uh, so one of the perks is that uh, it gives the adventuring group a common purpose, and so this is reflected where each member can give someone else advantage on an ability check, attack, roll, or saving throw once per long rest. I'd change it to once per session as a DM, but who knows, maybe if you, maybe long rest is a bit better, I'm not entirely sure. Perks. Uh, a group patron offers your part. So that's like a simple thing. I don't think that's very necessary. If you feel like that's a little weird, then you don't need to, to use that. Perks. Uh, I think these are specific to your the patron that you choose. And so yeah. we've already discussed some of the things already, but I think there's uh, kind of cool, you know, some, some of the things it can give your party rather than take 8,000 gold. <laughs> yeah. every like the academic one sounded pretty good. Like there was all these resources and they come up with maps. And they could find like a library, like Candlekeep. If that was your patron, they'd be like, Oh yeah, like people are like desperate at the gate. People come to the gate with like all sorts of like um, uh, like map cases full of scrolls and books and everything they can to improve their odds of getting in. So if you suddenly have access to all that stuff on the inside, it'd be like, gosh, you know, we'd we'd love to go adventuring down, you know, to the yawning portal, but uh, yeah, there's just no maps for it. And the guys candle keep would be like, oh yeah, we got a map for that. <laughs> Here you yeah go. yeah really could uh it offers a number of perks these range from standard business arrangement uh such as a steady wage access to staff facilities like some books perhaps or maps to extraordinary boons such as audiences with powerful figures or exceptions from certain laws Ooh, that could be fun certain perks are presented in the description of each group patron they should uh, a dm should not feel limited providing only the perks noted uh, and they could give extra ones, you know, whatever the DM feels. You know, if there's other things that make a little bit more sense and they're a little bit more of like a mix of military and criminal syndicate, who knows, you know. So your, your patron is some sort of like, is some sort of like barrister that works in Candlekeep who's got all this like knowledge about like laws and loopholes and like, you know. Uh, is good and, at getting your like so, yeah. party so out of trouble. So yeah, each adventure begins with your party in jail and him showing up, talking to the magistrate <sighs> yeah. and explaining to the magistrate that under you know such and such a convention, because you know so and so was or because, you know like invoking precedent a little bit of a favor this and that or whatever, and, right? Yeah, finding all these these uh, reasons why you have to be let free, and they're like, Ugh, okay, <laughs> and uh, you keep getting off with like a warning or a small fine or something like that. Uh, and then, and that each, each week's session ends with you guys somehow back in jail again. Yeah. 
Uh, and he gets just so sick of it that he like leaves you, leaves the party. It's like I'm sick of always fighting your battles. Uh, but also, what do group patrons do? They give you assignments. Uh, your group patrons occasionally offer you an assignment, a mission that provides a springboard for adventure. Of course, it's up to you how you respond to your patrons' demands. Um, and or it can be more interesting if you decide to refuse it. And I'm liking that even assignment. more. Like it's like okay. I'll get you to jail, but this is what you got to do for me. Yeah. And if you don't like it, well, we'll just leave you in here. And you can mm. spend the rest of tonight's session trying to pick that lock with that uh, rusty nail you found. Or you can go and try and get enlisted in the military and they can maybe do something for you. But, you know, whatever, right? You could give them a couple choices. That's kind of fun. A more hands-off patron can still significantly motivate your group. Maybe you seek adventures based on what pleases your patron, possibly earning status and rewards. Within your organization, an academy, for example, might not organize particular missions, so you hunt down ancient artifacts, uh, knowing that your patron will reward you for bringing them back. You have the freedom to chart your own destiny while letting the patron shape the nature of your group and the adventures you undertake. So if the DM wants to be a little bit like, okay, here's a mission, here's a mission, you know, they can do that as well. So it's kind of nice. Yeah. Now, it was funny how our DM giving us a crime boss as our patron was then surprised by our sort of like loose morals when it came to things like saving other people You're like why why aren't you saving them we're like, but like well we're not killing them we're just like you know we're just avoiding avoiding troublesome issues that aren't really our business yeah and and he'd be like <gasps> i'm like hey you gave us a crime boss as our patron it is going to shape our party like you know it's hard to be goody two shoes when you're working for you know the mob yeah speaking of certain types of patrons there's eight examples that Tasha's give us. We've looked a little bit at the academy. There's the ancient being, like a lich or a dragon or something like that. An aristocrat. We work for a lich. Oh, great. <laughs> uh, yeah, it turns out he's the big B, B-B-E-G that you have to fight against at the end. The aristocrat, uh, the criminal syndicate, a guild, a military force, a religious order, or a sovereign. Hmm, what was that? They're buzzing. <laughs> This mystery afoot. Uh, we've looked a little bit at the, the academy, but uh, they can give you compensation, documentation, uh, research resources, and training even. Mm. Um, and it actually calls to some of the stuff if you're familiar with downtime. Um, that we, we have an episode on downtime in, uh, from the past. Uh, you can pay half the normal cost, Woo! assuming the academy teaches that subject. That could be fun. So you have a little bit of a tutoring session with one of the, the wizards there, something like that. That's kind of fun. There's also academic, uh, or uh, sorry, academy contacts um, that you might, you know, be able to meet through or talk with um, from your academy. So there's like a harried functionary, a celebrated instructor, a wizened fixture, an infatuated tourist, uh, a special, a spectral fragment, uh, maybe like a ghost, ooh, or a distant observer. What's a factorum? Ooh, you're uh, so if you have an academy as your patron, you are likely engaged in a scholarly pursuit. Uh, or support of someone who is. Consider being a promising student or a new member of the fa faculty uh, while you have the modest course load that you can... So you can be a student. Well, this could be fun, like Harry Potter student-level stuff. Uh, well, that could be fun. Alternatively, you, you might work to further the Academy's efforts in another way, perhaps. Well, that's kind of fun. Cool. And so some of the things you could do is be a student, a groundskeeper, a professor. So you could have a wizard be a professor and, like, other party members be students. <laughs> A financer or an expert speaker. It's kind of fun. And it also has background roles. So if you're like a, a charlatan, maybe a, being a financer or a, 
uh, a groundskeeper could be the right thing, you know, kind of fun. Uh, it's got some quests as well, some sample quests, like Aberrant Zoology, uh, Arcanodynamics, uh, Forbidden History, uh, Restorative Antiquarianism, all sorts of stuff. That's funny. Uh, yeah, it's kind of fun. Ancient Beings, uh, here's some examples. Elder Dragon, a Lich, a Bound Fiend, a Guardian Celestial, maybe Coatl even, that'd be cool. Uh, the Endless, oof, a person that's lived many lifetimes. Uh, or a primal manifestation. Interesting. Uh, they give you sort of different stuff. Sanctuary, strange gifts is one of them. <laughs> um, well, they give you magic items of some sort or supernatural gifts. So that gives you some ideas of, you know, the the certain patrons and things that are uh, available in Tasha's, which, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, it, there's a huge section there. Um, definitely definitely worth checking checking it out um i like some of the things how how it contacts you um through visions <laughs> through a magical message drop very like um uh what's that like comedy show where like they like comes to shoot like this message will self-destruct like and it comes out of nowhere uh, or if you're like or like the umbrella academy where it just comes out of these shoots <laughs> um a mouthpiece. The ancient being's voice whispers to the lips of an ordinary person. Your patron might p- uh, possess the body of a stranger or a party member to converse with you. It's so, like some like the like a guy you're trying to sell with something goes go to the mountain up north, you know, like all like there was a show on uh, there was a show on Netflix for a while called Travelers, and the future could send messages back to them. Um, but usually through children messengers who would come up to them and it would say, you know, traveler zero zero seven four three eight two, this is control. Do such and such a thing, and off they would go. And the kid would have no memory of it happening. So, mm-hmm. yeah, ideas like that are fun. Yeah. But you know, a lot of this stuff really, it's this is like it's just inspiration. Well, really. and as a DM, it, in some ways, like we talked about this in a recent episode, we were talking about prep. Like, how do you plan and prep big campaigns? And it's hard, right? You're trying to put all these things together week after week that string together. Something mm-hmm. like a patron makes that a lot easier for you. The patron essentially lets you, uh, you know, week by week, just s- send out like the party on new little mini quests, right? Mm-hmm. More one shots, more ability to do small, uh, small stuff. And, or even let the party themselves go to the patron and ask for directions for whatever it is they want to go see and do. And then from there, you can just roll up some random destination for them and have at it. I think, you know, the idea with a lot of these ideas is to try and take the work out of being a DM, not add more work in. So, you know, to have something like a Candlekeep library is not for you to stop and have to write every book in that library. Don't do it. You don't need that sort of prep or that sort of work to go into it. The idea is that you only need to present them with the right book, right? They only need to find one book and that will start their whole, you know, next arc of their adventures. Um, Keep it simple. Mm. Keep it simple. Don't make them read through 200 books before they find the right one. I love some Although of the if you here. were looking for if you are looking for trying to put something just in there that you can hand players if at a table, say we were actually still sitting at a table, 
Um, you could do things like Volo's Guide to Monsters. Mm. You could just basically grab an actual book that you have that's actually written by a character that's kind of famous in game and just kind of go, hey, look, you, you now know all about these monsters. And then you could, in theory, attack them with one of those monsters later. Yeah. And let them use the knowledge they found in that to their advantage. That could be fun. Yeah. That's cool. Some, <laughs> I like one of the guild contacts for, uh, you know, the guild, uh, a golem guide. This could be fun for a little candle keep thing as well. Your guild contact is the soul of a long dead artisan or perhaps librarian, studious person, uh, preserved in a construct body. This golem is wise and knowledgeable, but it has difficulty grasping the passage of time and the state of the world compared to its original era. I also like the idea of tour guides. We uh, we were joking about this the other day that um, it'd be fun to make a tour guide character who was basically a ranger uh, whose mm. favorite terrain was whatever area it was that you were going on the tour for. So maybe a tour guide of the uh, library, their favorite terrain is the library. And within that space, they can't get lost. Like things don't slow you down. You can move through like cluttered spaces that would normally be difficult terrain with ease. Um, you know, all these things happen while you're in the presence of the tour guide. Mm. Yeah. You know, or like, I, I love when you make history checks instead of being like, hey guys, I think there's like this thing. I recall this thing. It's like, uh, so to your left, you'll see the, uh, exactly. the old <laughs> cherry tree here. Um, Originally planted in uh, 1422 by Alan III. And, uh, this marks a turning know. point in the, the gnome halfling conflict <laughs> uh, in the region. They have all this like, history and, you know, then they... There'd be some little like joke or, that like, goes any, with like, it. Encounters that happen. Oh, and you know how like on some like boat trips they have like all these fake animatronics. Oh, like yeah, know? Disneyland. Like, you go around and they're like, for the- oh, the hippos, <laughs> ooh, and like there's like yeah, you gnolls know, jumping out of the bushes at you, and like oh, the gnolls are angry. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be funny. Uh, religious orders. I love the. Um, the image here it's like a big people getting ready for a, a big coatl festival it's such a cool image it's one of my favorite D images because i i kind of i kind of like coatls a lot so um, coatls are like snakes with wings they're actually celestials um but they look like snakes with wings and they actually guard like sky libraries but that actually makes me think more like like they're kind of a bit more like asian dragons a little bit way. yeah well they're they're obviously the quetzalcoatl which is a more of a Aztec thing, but I guess like literally in their uh, name. But they do, quattle, they do sort of make me think more of a of a winged serpent than uh, true. And uh, yeah, yeah, cool. <laughs> if you want, if you feel like oh whatever, religious orders, kind of whatever, undead hunters. <laughs> this community of scholars and monster hunters laboriously researches the unquiet dead, tracking them to their lairs and permanently laying them to rest. That could be a fun one, you know. You know, in Strahd, you've got this group of people trying to take down the vampire spawn. That could be your patron, your group patron. Well, interestingly, the there are like the the Order of the Feathers and groups like that within Barovia, mm-hmm. um, which if your party does well, you know, you sort of join up with. And I guess, you know, for a lot of DMs, you know, this is probably something you you do in the game anyways. There's certain NPCs who are much more powerful than the party who helped the party out. And and we've been doing this long before Tasha's came out. With a, you know, without tables and things to roll on, we would just sort of wing it. 
right? Come up with what it is that they, they do. But for, you know, maybe for DMs out there who are, you know, they're having a little imagination lapses or not quite sure where they want to go with it. The great thing about having tables like this to roll on is it really does just inspire you. Uh, it, it gives you so many things to sort of riff off of and, uh, and come up with some sort of creative, creative ideas for your party to play with. Mm-hmm. The thing I like is some of these even give you free proficiencies. Like yeah. if you're a part of a religious order, a DM could give everyone in the party proficiency in religion. Or that idea, we look at the, some of like the idea of shelter of the faithful from the acolyte background, if you're familiar. Divine service is a perk. In times of need, your group can appeal to the priests of your faith for magical aid. And so if you need a quick revivify, provided you pay the components, boom, someone's there well, for you. Revivify needs to be fairly quick. It's true. It'd be more like a quick uh, raise dead. Or oh, something. yeah, exactly. Well, it's up to fifth level, so it could very well be a raise dead. It's kind of interesting. Hmm. <laughs> I like some of like the members with like roles it gives you. Like there's like some which kind of makes sense, you know, counselors or defenders or inquisitors, you know, or emissaries. And then there's chosen one, you know. And for the ancient being, uh, one of the things was offspring. <laughs> so I think your your dragon sorcerer is like, yeah, I don't know, I'm just his son, I guess, you know. And that's his like role in the party. He's like, ah, I don't know, he's my dad. It's kind of lame. <laughs> Right. Um, well, yeah. should we kind of leave it there for this week? Uh, it's a great place to leave it off. Uh, we've been chatting for a little while. I hope you've had a f- fun listening to us uh, talk about some of our group patron options and get excited, a little bit excited about Candlekeep. Yeah, new new destinations, some new ideas. Uh, think about ways you can put libraries and books and librarians and all that sort of cool stuff into your campaign. Uh, it's got lots of good stuff. Obviously, you're playing a wizard. Like there's no happier place than a place that uh, has lots and lots of spells uh, yeah. that you can copy down. So uh, make sure you stock up on your your magic paper and magic ink. That's right. Get that spell book ready. Um, and make sure the rest of the party chips in on the cost of that. Everyone pays for your. Everybody should be paying for the fees, for the tuition. yeah. Everybody chips in on 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 wizard spells because everybody benefits from wizard spells. Yeah. Um, is the same true for everybody chipping in to buy the fighter a new sword? No. 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 Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Screw the fighters. Nobody, Fighter. Nobody cares about fighters. Sorry, fighters. Maybe the so, next adventure will be next, for you. Maybe next week we'll talk about, about yeah. awesome fighters. We actually have done a uh, how to make an awesome battle master episode uh, a while back. I want to start delving into classes with you. Dig back. You know, let's think of bunch of cool fighters you know we don't even need to make full characters just think well, interesting of, tasha you know, tasha's uh, maybe with somebody we look at next time as well yeah has a whole bunch of like pages saying hey you want to make a oh, hoplite you want to make this you want to make that and it's got like all the breakdown for what you take in terms of skills and sub skills and whatnot mm. and subclasses and things and boom you've got it all right everyone thank you so much for joining us we will see you all next week uh enjoy critical role yeah, back it, it, this week. It, yeah, it was back last week. Was it? Well, this you're right. This we may not be sending these at the same time that they're look being it's recorded. Things between planes, they get funny, you know. Yeah, when you, when you're locked away in the candle keep library. Speaking of which, my my magnificent mansion is nearly up, so I think we better Fantastic. be finishing off. 
the get right. into Canopy. Excited, have, everybody. I apologize to everybody at home if I seem a little distracted tonight. It's because our, our familiar, familiar is acting has up. been yeah. in here and he... The magics are a bit off. I have been doing everything I can to... Uh, I You know how like your familiars can be like either Celestials or Fae? I think he's a fiend. I think tonight <laughs> he's uh, a little fiend on the inside. Yeah, yeah. He is from the lower planes, and I've been doing my very utmost best to uh, appease him. And it seems the only thing that's making him happy right now is if we move our laptops off of the desk here and allow him to sprawl across the desks. Maybe um, he has something to say. I mean, we keep ignoring him. Yeah. In fact, here, Oscar, what do you have to say? Oh, radio silence. I wonder if people heard this little purring. That's cute. All right, everyone. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.